Hello, John the Viking Mauser here with the Get Stronger Die podcast. John the Viking Mauser here. Um, special guest, as always, Paul Mauser. We're doing a very, um, a very special episode of the Get Strong or Die podcast today. We're going to do a recap of the Summer Raid Weekend 2018 um, that just passed this uh, past weekend. Uh, let's get it kicking off here, Paul. Man, I couldn't be more excited with how the Summer Raid Weekend went. Shattered all kinds of attendance records. Uh, had two fantastic days of competition. I'm pumped. A lot of people still pumped about it, still sending send me messages telling me how pumped they were about it. So, man, I, uh, yeah, pretty pretty excited to talk about this. Now, normally I do these uh, gigantic 15-page write-ups that, uh, you know, probably, you know, not a whole lot of people read because they're too long and whatever. A lot of people say they like them. That's cool. I appreciate that. But I wanted to try something different. I want to do it on the podcast here. And just so y'all at home know, John is wearing the epic, <laughs> creepy sunglasses with the strap and all that. So, yeah. <clears throat> yes, well, in, in this secret, undisclosed location, sometimes your identity needs to be kept, uh, you know, on the down low. So these, these glasses keep me incognito. <laughs> well, if we give away the zip code, they might be able to uh, triangulate our location, Paul. It's a trick question. You can't have a you can't have a zip code at parts unknown. <laughs> There's no post office there. <clears throat> so uh, let's um, go over uh, just a brief history of the summer raid weekend, real quick. History. We're making history, man. Okay, so 2014. First summer raid event, that was more of a conventional style strongman competition. It was one day. Uh, we did have some pretty unique events there. But I, I, some of those I'd like to revisit uh, sooner than later. But uh, yeah, so it was one day. We had probably 14 competitors or something in that neighborhood. It was the first event ever at the then recently opened Viking Performance Training. And now, fast forward to today, it's a two-day event, powerlifting on the first day, USA Powerlifting, the Viking Highlander on the second day. Yes, that is a Strongman Corporation-sanctioned event. And, yeah, it's two days of complete awesome. And it has really, really, really caught on, especially the concept of competing on both days. We had, like, 11 people registered to do both days this year, so they were eligible to do, they were eligible to receive some pretty awesome prizes uh, for doing that. I think uh, we had a couple that a couple that ended up dropping out, so we ended up with uh, at least uh, eight or nine still that did both days. What in the world are you doing, ladies and gentlemen? You can't see this, and you probably shouldn't see this, but John had his thumb completely immersed. And his beetle. <laughs> what? <laughs> All that right. That is a sizable thumb, folks. <laughs> you can't say that. You can't. We're, we're, I thought the, we were keeping this PG, man. The, the FCC is going to shut us down. <laughs> <laughs> 
this is risque stuff here. This is groundbreaking, controversial stuff. Paul Mailser said, "Behold, live on the microphone." <laughs> but yeah, um, and don't forget to talk about the Moss Wrestling Tournament. Now we had, uh, that was added um, last year, correct? <clears throat> You're gonna fast forward all the way to the Moss Wrestling Tournament. You are bouncing me around like a basketball here, but we can talk about it. Moss Wrestling was added last year when we uh, when we officially converted this to a uh, to a Highlander style competition, which which is a whole conversation in itself. But uh, this year we had such a, an immense roster that we unofficially. But uh, I, I have found no evidence contrary to this, and we, we've reached out to some people that would know. Um, due to the size of the roster here, this was the largest Moss Wrestling tournament in United States history. Boom, right here in West Virginia. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to take a moment here to uh, deviate from our recap plan. And um, I just want to point out that, uh, you know, it was brought to my attention that some people had been questioning Mauser strength dynamics and what uh, <clears throat> what they've accomplished, what they do, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and um, I'll say, uh, in addition to training world champions, professional athletes, blah, 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 um, Mauser strength dynamics on the other end, uh, along with Viking performance um, and a few other folks, um, We've had the largest Moss Wrestling tournament in the history of uh, Moss Wrestling in the United States. Um, right. We had, I believe, the largest um, women's competition, right? The Maidens of Might, just not too long ago. Uh, that was that was not the biggest in, in U.S. history. Um, the biggest in the state, I but, believe, right? Biggest, yeah, biggest in the state and probably surrounding states. <clears throat> um, also uh, has brought in, probably held more um, seminars than any other uh, strongman uh, organization or gym, right? I mean, I don't see too many other people yeah, bringing we, in Phil Fist. We have what, probably three to four world champions a year come in for uh, seminars. Yeah, uh, legit, legit professional athlete world champions are come, you know, coming through and doing all that. Um, <clears throat> also, one of the only places, uh, especially now, that's running um, a Platinum Plus show, right? I mean, those things are not very common, and uh, they don't just uh, yeah, not common at all. I think there were, I think there was five, four, maybe five total this year. Yeah, and they don't just uh, it, it. It's it's a process to get those done. I mean, you you have to kind of be in in somewhat in favor of the the boss to uh, pull that sort of thing off. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to get into what all's involved in in the the platinum plus process. Let me just tell you, there there's a reason. There's a lot of reasons that a lot of folks do not. shows and and that that could probably be about half a podcast in itself it is a very strict process it is a very expensive process and it's something that 
you have to deliver the goods on because the company the you know the company puts their name on that more so than a regular local event you know it is it is a direct representation of the company they take it very seriously with those competitions and uh, you don't you don't want to get into that and realize you're in over your head or you're going to be in trouble <clears throat> yeah I don't want to take too much more time away from the point of the uh, podcast here but it's also uh, teen nationals will be in um, uh, Morgantown um, you know largely thanks to Mauser strength dynamics and um, I mean they were in what Ireland last year no, teen nationals was uh, teen nationals was Virginia last year it was it was uh, Virginia Beach and they they had a they had a real hard time uh, promoting that and you know, we went to myself and uh, Jerry Handley. You know, we, we reached out to Dion and said, "Hey, let, you know, give us the ball, give us the ball with this one. We will run, we will run with it." And uh, I think thus far the results speak for themselves. Yeah. So, sure. and, and come uh, come July twenty first, uh, the proof will be in the pudding. Yeah, uh, Virginia, Ireland, pretty close. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know where the hell you got Ireland for a United States national championships. <laughs> yeah, well, there was a, there was some kind of Ireland, um, West Virginia. There is an Ireland, West Virginia. <laughs> well, there was a uh, a teen event, I believe, in Ireland. It was some kind of championship. Um, I'd have to look, but I definitely remember seeing that. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, the best competitions are coming out of. Uh, of uh, Morgantown, um, you can go and you can Facebook or Google or whatever, and uh, you know I think it's pretty uh, pretty common across the board to see people talking about the shows that are coming out of West Virginia. Um, n- not to knock anybody that's not you know that's not running a show elsewhere, but uh, I think the the proof is in the pudding. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, back to the uh, summer raid weekend. So. Yeah, Moss Wrestling, largest attendance ever, um, and, and that tournament went off uh, pretty well without a hitch. We'll get into that here in a little bit, though. Um, let's talk about that powerlifting, USA Powerlifting. Um, uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with powerlifting out there, USA Powerlifting is one of the largest um, powerlifting um, you know, federations that exists in the U.S., and trust me, there are... It is, it is the biggest. It's number one. And trust me, there are dozens of other federations out there. I mean, it's not like one or two. There's, you know, this is the biggest out of like 50. And, um, and uh, you know, a lot of people um, don't like the standards that are put forth by USAPL. But I can tell you from um, experience that uh, it's because they're the strictest. And um, you can take that for what it is. But I think um, the strict standards are what keep... USAPL afloat and keep them in the game and what what separates them from everybody else and what makes um you know what makes them the number one I mean really if and you know if if you can if you can pass your lifts in the USAPL and you know that those same lifts will pass anywhere else and a lot of other federations cannot say that they cannot say hey you pass here and then you can go anywhere else John, I am getting the sense that you are wanting to spit some 
fire tonight. Man, I, I, uh, I'm getting that vibe, and, and I, feel, I feel like you're restraining yourself a little bit here. Why don't you tell us why you're, how you really feel? <laughs> well, um, listen, if you're going to squat, <laughs> you might as well squat, okay? None of this, hey, I'm going to push my butt back and then like kind of half-ass stand up and waddle around under some monolift or whatever. Like, squat your ass down there and stand up, okay? That, that you know, parallel, you know, you people throw that around or whatever, you know, fuck parallel. Do a squat, okay? Like, if I, if I drop down on the floor and I do some bullshit push-up, everybody on the internet would call me out on it. But I can go to some of these federations and do some bullshit squat and everybody's like, hey, that's great. You know, that's fine for that fed. That's fine. If you want to play bullshit squat game, that's great. But I think most of us, when we first started lifting weights, we got into lifting weights for a reason. And that reason was to get strong. And that reason was um, to, to have, you know, a lot of carryover. I want to you know, I want to look good. I want to be strong. I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to do that. And let me tell you, squatting three inches down with your feet, you know, 18 feet apart from each other, uh, that's probably not doing any. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what some of these people are doing. You know, I don't think that that is reaching any of those goals. I think a lot of those people have um, deviated so far from the path that they started on that they're now they just want to they just want that number hey i squatted a thousand pounds when, when really was it was it a squat i mean yeah you had a thousand pounds on your back and you did something with it and good for you but well let's let's call it what it is and it, it's probably not a squat ladies and gentlemen john the viking mouser <laughs> fire <laughs> and uh yeah the standard the standards are pretty uh pretty strict for the other lifts too. I mean, man, those those uh those bench press calls, that's rough. A lot of people well the bench press is the most commonly missed lift in, in powerlifting and um you know uh USAPL is real strict about their lifts, but it's strict for a reason, you know. Yeah. They don't they don't want that's that's the bottom line and you know, we uh we we don't make the rules. We we're there, you know, as officials to enforce the rules. And I tell you what, man, our officials do a fantastic job, in my opinion. We had we had we had some extra help this time too. Uh, my buddy Barrett and uh, and Chris, they came in to help out on day one. They ended up competing on day two, but they're USAPL officials and they helped us out. We. Uh, we uh, our cups our cups raneth over because we had extra officials at this competition, which was just uh, a great blessing for that and made things just absolutely fantastic. So, um, and our officials did a great job. They, they did a fantastic job. But yeah. this ain't about the officials. This ain't about you. This ain't about me. It's about summer raid weekend USA powerlifting. Let's 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 take a look at some of these numbers here. We had. Uh, Female best lifter, if I'm not mistaken, that was, yeah, I'm looking at her here, Teresa Brown, and uh, she trains trains at Viking, and she was in the uh, 57 kilo class. If you're, if you're uh, not good at converting kilos, um, that means she's pretty small, 
<laughs> one of the one of the lightest uh, you know classes there available. And she nailed all three squats. She nailed two bench presses and nailed all three deadlifts. So when you when you go eight for nine and uh, you know you got to think that's a pretty good day. Yeah, what were those? Um, what were those final numbers there, if you don't mind? Uh, one thirty-two and a half kilo squat, finished with a sixty-five kilo bench and a one hundred and sixty kilo deadlift. <clears throat> yeah, those are pretty good numbers. Um, one hundred and sixty kilo deadlift at fifty-seven kilos. Yeah, I can see where she uh, pulled off the win there. <clears throat> what else we got? Oh man, we, we had had some fantastic competition here. We had uh, a couple of our ladies, uh, Megan White and Katie O'Connor, uh, did both days of competition. So they did the, the powerlifting portion and then the, the Highlander the next day. Um, and then we had Susan Lawrenson. Susan Lawrenson, Masters competitor. And boy, what a day she had. She also went eight for nine, nailed all of her squats. Uh, up to uh, 90 kilos on her uh, third squat, 62.5 kilo bench, 152.5 kilo deadlift, nailed all three deadlifts, and tied the world record with her final deadlift. So we're talking about the Masters 3, I, I, you know, I don't want to give away a lady's age here, but a Masters 3A competitor. You can look that up and see what, what age class that is, and then you can go back through and, and check those numbers out and say, wow, that's incredible. Cool. So that, that was, uh, she tied the world record with that? <clears throat> with uh, her, her third deadlift. All right. So um, how does that work? How does that work? Um, uh, with the um, officials and stuff. I mean, is that an official thing, or did, did we have the judging for that? Or so, uh, in order to set a world record uh, in the USA Powerlifting, which which is the, the international body, the worldwide body is called the IPF, International Powerlifting Federation. Um, USAPL is a, is a member of that federation. So, in order to set a world record, it has to be you know at a world championships or, or et cetera, et cetera. It can't be at a local meet to set a uh, a world record. All right. Well, it might it might be exciting um, if she uh, goes on to to try to break that somewhere. You know. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, she goes on to nationals, gets her world's uh, qualification, and 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 goes after that record. It'd be pretty exciting to see. Uh, you know, see one of our lifters from, from, from right down the road in Maryland uh, go take that world record. So, Yeah, pretty exciting stuff. We talked about uh, Masters competitor. How about our team competitors, man? We had a, a couple of team competitors. We had Ike Spangler and, and, and Tommy Lynn were uh, both team competitors. And, uh, you know, to, uh, Ike, Ike had a rough start, man. He had a rough start, and he struggled. We talked about how strict the squats are, and so he struggled. He struggled with the squats. Um, continued on in the meet, uh, and then by by the end, he got in his groove and he nailed three deadlifts, uh, finishing at 170 kilos. And man, he was ecstatic. It was very cool to see Ike, who started off so rough on the squats. You know, I, no, I'm not, I'm not going to mince words here. He bombed out. Uh, he did bomb out in a 
was allowed to continue in the meet. Um, but to have such a rough start and turn it around completely and come back to nail three deadlifts to finish and, and, and walk out with a smile feeling good, that was pretty cool. Yeah, a lot of people were pretty um, pumped up in the crowd and behind the curtain uh, <clears throat> during that lift. I do recall that one. I was uh, I was in and out a lot. <clears throat> um, you know, well, a, a lot of it was I'm fat and I had to go get food. But uh, there's also, um, uh, I, you know, I was coaching a, co- a handful of people and doing stuff. So I was in and out. But I do re- remember his deadlift attempts. And, um, yeah, he, he got a pretty good crowd pop a few times. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, they, they can at least identify that it was impressive, you know, like, or, the, or that the person was excited about the lift. And um, that can build an energy in and of itself. Um, yep. <clears throat> Our other team competitor, Tommy Lynn. Tommy Lynn had a flawless day. He went nine for nine. He looked technically sound on everything he did. Uh, he was a team two class, so team two class competitor. 120 kilo class, that's like a 265 pound class, uh, finished with a 245 kilo squat, 140 kilo bench, and 245 kilo deadlift. And man, Tommy never looked like he struggled once. He nailed all those lifts comfortably. He got the total that he wanted. And man, I'm really hoping he's headed to nationals. <clears throat> yeah, um, I don't think uh, a lot of people. Um, you know, if they're not, if they don't do powerlifting, a lot of the people listening might not appreciate the nine for nine. Okay. Well, we, you'll hear us probably say that a few more times, you know, throughout this uh, recap, but, but nine for nine, that's kind of a big deal. Um, You're not going to get at any particular meet um, a lot of people doing that. Um, Like I said, the bench press is one of the most uh, missed lifts in competition. So, a lot of people, you know, they might get six with three uh, successes on the squat, three on the deadlift, and then, you know, a lot of people are going to miss one on the bench press. And um, because of the really strict standards, um, a lot of people miss on the squat because of that. And then a lot of people miss some deadlifts because of fatigue. By the time you've done um, your three squats, your three bench presses, and then just the time period that has elapsed from from uh, A to C, people will miss their deadlifts due to um, you know just general fatigue. So the likelihood of missing a lift is can be pretty high. Going nine for nine is is a fairly impressive feat. Yeah, it, it is, and it signifies a mastery of attempt selection because you only have three tries on each lift. You have three 
tries on each lift to get as much weight as possible. And, you know, the sort of the conventional wisdom is to start very conservative and just get yourself on the board. You know, do something that you can hit for a triple. You know, do something around uh, 90, maybe no more than 90, you know, no more than 93% um, to get yourself on the board on, on in the first round, you know, and then try to worry about, you know, winning the class or getting your total on the successive attempts. And that's another reason why you might see people uh, miss miss a third round deadlift is because they may they may be looking at the competition and saying okay i think i'm good for 250 kilos but i need 260 kilos in order to win the competition and then you have a decision to make you know where you say okay do i go for the 260 but win the competition or do I play it safe with something I know for sure I can nail, but it's probably not going to win me. The, it's probably not going to win my category. You know, it's uh, a little bit of a chess match. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. If you're if um, if you're looking at the game correctly, it's certainly a uh, a chess match, and. Um, <clears throat> You know, a, a lot of people will make big mistakes in just that because they won't be able to keep their uh, their focus, and they'll, you know, they'll be lifting for their ego or whatever, and then that that can turn out very poorly. In the what we got here, men's juniors, uh, we had we had a, we had a uh, good handful or two of junior class competitors, and that's. Um, for those of you who are keeping track at home, that's like a 19 to uh, 23-ish uh, age category there. And, man, we, we had, some, had some phenomenal lists there. Let's, so let's do it this way. I'm going to look and see what was our biggest junior class squat here. Uh, we had some pretty awesome lifts there. So... 197 and a half by Thomas Lane. He was a 93 kilo class. Um, biggest bench in the juniors. Uh, looks like Brian Phillips. Brian Phillips Jr. who suffered in the squat, but he had a came back and nailed a 125 kilo bench. And then biggest deadlift looks like 245 by Ethan McDonald. Um, who had a had a pretty pretty solid day. Pretty solid day there. <clears throat> yeah, um, those are some uh, some big lifts. I, I can't uh, get my calculator up right now. I'd like to let the, some of the people know the pound, the actual pounds on these lifts. But um, in a nutshell, it's just over double. So whatever the kilos, if it was a, uh, um, would you say that uh, that last deadlift he did was? Yeah. Um, what was the what was the biggest um, the deadlift in the juniors? Uh, two forty five. 
So that's actually. Yeah, so that's 539 pounds by um, a junior. And um, what what's the definition of a USAPL junior? Uh, under 23. So uh, once you move on from the teen class, uh, junior, junior lasts until until 23. So. <clears throat> yeah, so this is a, a college student-aged person that's moving 539 pounds around. Yeah, and um, one of our juniors, Brian Phillips Jr., was competing there with his dad, Brian Phillips Sr. So we actually had a father and son team out there, uh, you know, one, one in the junior class, one in the master's class. That was pretty cool, man. I love to see stuff like that. Um, we also had uh, big lifts in our open, open men's class. Let's take a look at this here. So, of course, we already talked about uh, we talked about Tyler Prada and mentioned Grayson Kaplinger. Um, Michael Harmon. Michael Harmon won the best lifter. He was in the 105 kilo class. Uh, that's 231, 231 pound class. You have a 265 squat. Uh, let's see here, 182 and a half kilo bench. That's somewhere in the neighborhood of 400 pounds. This is all raw. This is all raw lifts, um, and 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 drug tested as well. And a 275 kilo dead. Go ahead, go ahead and pull up that. Uh, go ahead and pull up that 275 kilos on there, John. Give me a conversion. I, I, I didn't grab a conversion chart. Sit here and, and go over this. I know, I know everybody wants to know what the freedom units conversion is here. If we pull that up, 275 kilos. That is. Translate that to freedom units. What is that, John? That is 605 freedom units. 605. So pretty awesome. And think about this. So this guy did that. He did. Uh, he did right around a 600 pound squat. He did right around a 400 pound raw bench. 600 pound pole and then he competed the next day dude he came back the next morning and was like alright let's do this again yeah no what 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 weight class was this guy he was a 231 pounder so it's a 105 kilo 105 kilo class yes, and he was not the only uh, 105 kilo lifter to do both days Lucas McLeese also did that and uh, he, he had some great lifts as well 220 squat 137 and a half bench and 245 dead. Yeah, and not Came only. Had a pretty solid day at the Highlander the next day. Yeah, not only for those guys, not only did um, did they do the powerlifting and then the second day, but uh, in in my opinion, the second day, that 231 division may have been the most stacked and, and um, the toughest division to go into. So that's pretty impressive. It was one of the, it was one of the most stacked divisions in the. West Virginia history, even even after even after we lost some guys who dropped out, and then we lost some guys who missed weight, uh, yada yada yada. It was still incredibly stacked. Yeah, there were still nine or ten guys in that class. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty impressive field there, and um, and then uh, also Masters heavyweight was pretty stacked. But we'll, we'll get into all that here here in just a few. That was powerlifting on day one. Uh, great stuff there. And now we can 
move on to day two, the Viking Highlander. Some of the uh, some of the coolest events ever, I think. Here, um, John, you're a pretty big proponent of this type of contest, and uh, have done pretty well for yourself since we um, really started pushing this type of contest. Man, what is the appeal? What's the appeal here to these uh, Highlander style beats? Uh, well, I think, um, well, let's first of all, throwing stuff is fun. <laughs> so, uh, the, the throwing events, um, uh, you know, you don't see that, uh, well, well, you used to, but not much anymore. You don't see much of the throwing events, um, in traditional strongman competitions anymore. And I think that's very, um, appealing. And then a lot of the other events, um, even if they're a little more traditional, they have a twist on them. Like you have the Stones of the North, which isn't, uh, you know, it's it's Atlas Stones at the end of the day, but it, it's it's got a different feel to it than, hey, we're just going to, you know, shoulder this or we're just going to load this or whatever. And, um, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think, I think the uniqueness of the events is a big um, appeal. And another thing that, that, that I used to believe, and I may not anymore, is that uh, the Highlanders, since there are throwing events, and they're typically, you know, not that they're not difficult, but but they don't beat you up as much. Like, you know, throwing a 56-pound weight doesn't, um, you know, have the same effect on your body as, like, you know, doing 15 reps with a 500-pound deadlift or something. Um so it doesn't beat you up as much. Although after this one, I, I was pretty damn sore. So I don't know if that still holds true or not. Because <laughs> I am still feeling it from uh, Sunday. And uh, yeah, I, I haven't had my ass whipped like this from a competition in a in a good little bit. Yeah, j just for reference, it's Thursday. And he's still beat up from uh, competition on Sunday. So... <laughs> Yeah, it, it was a grueling competition. Like, yeah, you, you know, you had you had the one throwing event with the uh, weight over bar, um, which is a little less taxing on the body, super fun, um, and a great test of pure strength. But uh, all the other events, especially the Moss Wrestling Tournament, especially considering how many matches a lot of people had to go through, it was grueling. It was a grueling competition. Max distance on the Conan's wheel, and then a max hold for time with the uh, Denny Stone simulation. You know, that's grueling stuff. Anytime you have a, a max carry or a max hold, you know, that you're going to feel that. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, some of the events, um, I guess, were kind of, you know, deceptively tough on the body. Uh, it wasn't the most grueling competition I've ever done, um, but it was the most grueling Highlander that I've ever done for sure. And um, well, the, the, you know that's uh, that's not a fair question for someone like you who's probably done uh, what twenty five or thirty at least, you know, uh, strongman competitions. Yeah, at least I think this so is. Say, what, so, like, as as an aside, what would what would you say is that it is the, the most grueling competition you've ever done? <laughs> can you even can you even narrow that down at this point? 
Hmm. Yeah, I'd have to think about that. Uh, maybe <laughs> give give me a few, and uh, maybe I'll get back to you on that. I have to really, uh, man. Uh, that's twelve years of uh, competing. I gotta I gotta rifle through real quick. Yeah, I mean it's it's gotta be you know it's gotta be thirty or thirty plus. I think that you've done at this point. <laughs> it's gotta be. <clears throat> yeah, easily. Uh, yeah, because it's been tw- this is the twelfth year, I think, of uh, competing. Because we're coming up on what the is this the twelfth or thirteenth Forest Festival? Twelfth, uh, yeah, twelfth yeah. year for uh, strongest man in the forest. Yeah, so this is my twelfth year competing then. So yeah, and I've done. Yep. I've probably done what five competitions this this year already. If not more than that, I don't even. I can't even keep yes, track yeah, anymore. In the early days, it was like one or two. <clears throat> but uh, you know, now, now you're doing like, I mean, how how many you're doing like twelve this year? <laughs> so so by the by the end of the year, you're going to be up around forty. Yeah, yeah, yep. But uh, yeah, so the Viking Highlander it was definitely grueling. Um, so we started with uh the weight over bar um the height on that started at eight feet i believe and um and this was group one we were running two groups let's take a step back john let's take let's take a step back there because just to kind of let people know who weren't there or didn't see it uh we had two different groups we had so many you know we have so many people that we we have one group start on the conan's wheel one group started on the uh on the weight over bar, so we had we had multiple events going at the same time here. Your group with the with the with the big boys um, started on on that weight over bar, yeah. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> it started at eight feet, I believe, and um, and well, wait, wait, we got it, we got to back up a little bit too because I think we need to recap my um, my Ric Flair uh, face plant during the warm ups. <laughs> exactly how this happened because I missed this and it kind of breaks my heart that I missed it. <laughs> yeah, I think um, Paul had his big fall at the blizzard <laughs> this past past battle in the blizzard and uh, I guess this was um, oh, yes. the, the fates were passing along the favor. But uh, So during the warm-ups I grabbed the 42-pound weight um, to warm up with. Um, I don't warm up with the 56 before I throw. Um, whether that's smart or not, I have yet to determine, but that's what I do. And um, uh, so they had these mats pushed up under the uh, the weight over bar apparatus, and there was two of them, and where they met was just, might have been right under the bar or just behind the bar. And um, I throw very straight up in the air. I don't have much arc back. In fact, I've missed attempts pretty frequently because the bar does, or the the weight doesn't travel back far enough. Um, so I'm I'm really close to this line where the two mats meet, right? Like the space, the the the, the stripe in the two mats. Well, when I throw a lighter weight, you know, you, you know, if you throw any weight, you kind of pop up on your toes. Um. 
and sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll leave the ground if you throw hard enough, but it's not an active thing. It just happens. And, uh, with the lighter weight, I find that, you know, you come up higher, you leave the ground a lot better, but also I slide back a little bit. Now, I don't know if this is common. I don't know if everybody does this or not, but I do with, but it only happens with the lighter weights. So I throw this 42 and, um, you know, I'm thinking about the 56 cause that's what I got to do next. But when I throw this 42, my feet move back maybe an inch or two and both of my feet, I'm up on my toes. My toes sink down in between the two mats in the crease where the mats were. So there I am performing a balancing act on my toes <laughs> stuck between the mats and I start to tip forward because this happened fast. This was not like, Hey, I'm going to put one foot in and then the next foot in. I mean, this was like dynamic and unannounced. <laughs> so, so there I am. I'm stuck. And I'm starting to tip forward and fall and I try to lift my foot up to step in front of myself, you know, like anybody would. You're falling, you take a step forward, it stops you from falling. But I can't. And I actually feel my foot lift the front mat. And I'm kind of stuck behind it. And there was pretty much nothing I could do. So I accepted my fate and took a, took a face plant style fall right out onto the mat. Probably at the exact moment that everyone was watching, except for you. <laughs> yeah, the, when when a guy six uh, five, about three thirty, takes a uh, face plant, it's probably pretty diff difficult for people not to notice. Yeah, so that's how my day started. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and there were some really impressive throws. Um I'm real bad with names, um but there were some pretty impressive throws. Uh notable that I can remember was uh let's see, um well uh, I think the Sowards did uh, uh Tim Soward did pretty well in the Masters um division. He'd never thrown uh I don't think he had thrown in training and had certainly never thrown in competition and still hit, uh, what, at least 12 or, or 12 feet or so, right? Yeah, and, uh, the, you know, this is one of those things that um, is a point of contention for some people. Strong is strong, and the weight over bar is a strength event, is a pure, you know, uh, strength and power event. And that's why you can have a guy like Tim, who's never done it, go out there and hit, you know, a 12, 13, 14, whatever foot weight over bar on his first try because he's a freaking 650 or something pound deadlifter. The guy can search her 500, you know, strong is strong. <laughs> he, 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 he relied on pure brute strength uh, for that event. 
you know does does practice and technique help absolutely it helps but at the end of the day that's a strength event boys yeah i agree and uh tim showed tim showed that he was pretty strong and then um the 231 guys uh I, there were some really high throws from those animals um what were the what were the top three there top three there we had uh, a couple of guys hit 14 we had uh, jonathan penland hit 14 and uh, lucas mcleese hit 14 uh let's see uh sonny bolton and kenny hacker both hit 15 sonny had sonny had a uh, close call at 16 didn't quite make it but uh bolton and hacker uh, both got 15 feet. Sonny got the higher placing points there because he did it on his second attempt. Uh, Kenny got his on his third attempt. So they went uh, they went one and, one and two there. Yeah, I would say that's that's pretty impressive. I would say that those guys could have easily, uh, you know, thrown against the heavyweights and 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 you know done pretty well. So that that's that's pretty impressive. They could have easily thrown with the heavier weight classes and and thrown the fifty six and probably still, you know, placed high. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, those throws a fifteen foot throw is is nothing to sneer at. And you know that's what the forty that's what the forty two for the middleweights. They did use the forty two. The heavyweights used the fifty six. So there is a different you know there's a difference in the. Uh, in the heights that were achieved, but uh, but you know that's that's a, that's a pretty high level high level weight checking right there. Uh, ladies impressed on that one as well. Uh, Alicia Schultz had the best throw at 11 feet in the novice women, and Katie O'Connor got first in the open class ladies with 12, and they used uh, they used a 28 pound weight there. Cool. So some 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 really great throwing all around. How about our adaptive guys, man? Alexander Armour. It's always cool to see him go at it when he's when he's hurling away from a, from a wheelchair, man. You know, talking about not not being able to get your body into it, man. He he literally leans over the side of his chair, you know, and gets that arm swinging and launches that thing, and it probably travels as much distance horizontally as it does vertically because of the way he has to arc it. You know, from the chair to get it over the bar. Yeah, if you've never seen that, you got to see it. It's pretty impressive because, like you said, it's probably going, you know, twenty feet up and thirty feet back. So it's it's pretty impressive. Um, definitely worth watching. Um, yeah. What was our what was our what was our highest throw? Um, I think that was uh, maybe Dave Payne.
you know, that, that sometimes that happens. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely close. That dude, he uh, he lobbed that thing. Um, I remember that attempt when he missed. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it was it was. It, it, I think it might be it might be in there. <clears throat> you know, we did get to see uh, we did get to see an eighteen foot throw, however, though, because um, uh, well, Alexander Armour attempted it and, and it didn't uh, it, it didn't quite go. But um, our buddy Mark Valenti. Uh, Highland Games Pro was in the house, and he came over and did an, an exhibition toss for us, and uh, uh, hit that uh, hit that eighteen with the uh, with the forty two pounder. So pretty freaking sweet to see that. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Um, he actually he with blue toenails. <laughs> yeah, he was barefoot uh, with his painted toenails, and he missed the first throw by like an inch or something and then um grabbed it up again and and let her fly and it was an easy easy success the second time um up next was the uh for my group was the conan's wheel so we swapped places there and um let's see uh how did the how did the ladies do on the conan's wheel and Conan's wheel was, you know, if we talk about the grueling, uh, grueling events here, and that's definitely one of them because it was done for max distance. And what that means is you pick it up, and it's in the it, the Conan's wheel is in the crook of your arms. It, it's in the front of your body, in the, in the crook of your elbows, and you have to carry that around the circle. It's it's on a it's on a pivot point. And you just keep going around and around and around until you can't go any further. Now, we've made it heavy enough to where nobody was going to carry that thing for, you know, six revolutions or something wacky. Um, so we didn't have to worry about that. But let's take a look here. Rick got the paperwork here. We have novice ladies, uh, Looks like it was Alicia, Alicia Schultz. She got uh, two revolutions plus 42 feet. So that's that's a heck of a performance there. And the first person to get a full third revolution was Greg Schultz in the, in the novice 175 men's. He actually, he actually broke uh, three revolutions and got an additional foot out of that. So... Uh, he was the first one to do that. Connor Edsel and Chris Albert also got three revolutions and uh, and a little bit of change there as well. So we, when you're with, with the weights that we were using, with, with how much we were packing onto that that machine uh, to get you know to get one revolution was tough for some of these people to get to you know three full revolutions plus. Uh, you know, that is a heck of a carry, and that's something that they're probably still feeling just like you are. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Um, what was the uh, what was the footage for one? You know, how many feet was one turn? Was one full circle? Man, I don't remember. I have no idea. Was... Probably, it was probably about something in the neighborhood of fifty-ish feet to make it go round. Yeah, I was going to say the the one with um, two rotations plus forty two feet. That was probably close to three full rotations. Yeah, 
Mm. There, it, was, it was round about 50, round about 50 feet. Now, rotation. we had uh, at least one, um, no, two, at least two of the uh, adaptive class athletes did the Conan's wheel as well. Um, I remember seeing that. And um, one was um, Alex. Yeah, and this wasn't sitting uh, on his back comfortably. Well, not that a yoke's real comfortable, but it definitely wasn't sitting like a yoke. I mean, this thing was, the way he had to do it had to have been the most uncomfortable thing of all time, and he he just, he nailed it. He went with it. He made, I think he almost made three revolutions, right? Yeah. It it must have been really close to three. Yeah, uh, two and a half revolutions. Plus thirty-two feet, so he was right behind there. 
first, second, and third all separated by about uh, by less than a combined total of four feet. Crazy, yep. And uh, let's say, I'm going to take a moment to talk about that. I always hear, uh, after competitions, you know, I always hear people say, like, uh, you know, I only lost by half a point, or I only won by half a point, or this or that, and that it's always this idea that, like, that's that that's close. And um, I actually, I personally don't always look at that like that's close because any of these, any highly contested competition, especially like what we saw in the 105 class, that's what it's going to be. It's always going to be half a point here or an extra foot there or an inch here you know you're you're going to squeak by in those real competitive classes that's how it's always going to be um yes i i'm it doesn't surprise me that the top three people were you know separated by not very much i'm sure the final standings were close as well John, this is going to be a good point for us to cut this off because I need to get on my laptop. I have to make power for a purpose, ready to go live here in less than 15 minutes. Can we continue this call here after midnight? Uh, yeah, sure. Awesome. All right. Get back with me here in, in a little bit. We'll do part two with the, about the Viking Highlander. Okay. So yeah, uh, Conan's Wheel, pretty grueling event, finished that up, um, and then my group went to um, Stones of the North, I believe. <clears throat> yeah, the big, big boy group went to Stones of the North, all the, all the heavyweights and such, um, and, and we did that strategically because uh, you know we wanted the, uh, the lighter classes to go on the Denny Hold first, so that we could just keep adding weight. To, uh, uh, to those, so when the second group came over, they were already loaded up to what the previous group had, and, and we could just keep adding instead of going backwards. So, uh, Stones of the North, uh, you know, we've done this event uh, a couple years now, and it's been a little bit different every time. And this year it was a series, so four stones in a row. You had the option to either shoulder a given stone for one point or press it for three points and if you made it to the final stone you actually got to do that one for reps in any manner that you chose so if you could get to that final stone and press it you know um well you could press it for reps and get like a bazillion points so it was it was uh not a not a what I would call a pure pressing event because there was, there were other aspects to it, but it definitely rewarded big press guys and gals, you know? Yeah, for sure. And there were definitely some big pressers at the event. Um, how did the, uh, ladies do? I think there was a, there was a few, uh, at least one or two ladies that, that actually pressed the stones, right? So there were some really good attempts, but we actually didn't have a uh, we didn't have a successful stone press in the ladies' class. So we had some really close attempts. Um, our our friend Katie O'Connor actually sat the first stone on top of her head 
<laughs> tempted to press it out from there. It didn't pan out. It didn't pan out. But uh, she added that to a long list of strongman items that she has either sat on her head or headbutted in the process of trying to press it. So um, she can scratch another one off the list. All right. <laughs> um, in the uh, the adaptive class, so um, Alexander. Um, Pressed uh, the first stone, I believe. Um, from he did, yeah, he, he, he did indeed press the first stone. When, when we're talking about Alexander, remember he's picking these stones up from the ground, um, you know, in a wheelchair. So he has to he has to reach down there. You know, you got to think it's hard enough to just reach down there and get your hands on it. He's kind of kind of um, rolled up his uh, shins, you know, rolled up into his lap. And uh, think about how much energy that's, you know, that pro- whole process has taken. And then press it overhead, and then he went on after the first stone. He went on the shoulder, the second, third, and fourth stones. So he, he actually made it all the way to the uh, to the final stone there before we ran out of time. Yeah, super, uh, super impressive stuff there. <clears throat> and uh, let's see, so... Jumping straight to the, uh, are we jumping straight to the main event here? Are we going to talk about James uh, Spurgeon? Um, yeah, Spurgeon. He um, he did. Listen, to the, this is not the first time I've seen him do this, but it is nonetheless more impressive every time. Uh, he pressed at least the first stone, correct? Yeah, hundred and fifteen pounds was his first stone. Okay, now let's let's paint a little bit of a picture here, and there's a bit of a backstory to this. Um, so James has the use of one arm, and this means that for him to pick up a stone, he actually drops down to both knees, rolls the stone up onto his lap, and then and then goes to you know a standing like a like a squat position from there repositions his arm, and then with a big hip pop, uh, fires, fires it up. Now, last year he did the unthinkable, and he did a single arm overhead press with a 115-pound atlas stone. For those of you having trouble picturing this, um, it's exactly what it sounds like. He's literally wrestling the stone up to his, uh, up to his torso, getting his hand wedged under it and pressing that stone with one arm. Now, he did it last year. Um, he felt he felt like he didn't have great control of it, even though he got the he got the down signal, he got credit for the lift. It kind of bothered him. It bothered him a little bit that he didn't feel within himself like it was a clean repetition. And so he was on a mission when he came back this year, and he got that 115 stone, he got it up, he pressed it overhead, and there was absolutely zero question this year about whether it was a clean lockout or not, because he pressed it, and it was steady, extended, wasn't going anywhere, wasn't wobbling, it was, it was a, a full extension lockout. Uh, controlled press, and uh, I mean that's something that's just absolutely off the charts incredible. Yeah, and and it didn't stop there for him. 
he he went on. Oh, no, he kept going. He kept going. He got the uh, he got the one. The second stone was one thirty five. The third stone was one fifty. He ran out of time, and again, it, you know, we get, we actually added some extra time to his run because because the technique he has to use requires so much. It's so time consuming to do. But he still ran out of time before um, he can give a really good go on that fourth stone. But he said, you know, he said, hey, can I try it anyway? I said, sure, go right ahead. So he actually gave the 175 stone a good uh, a, a good scare. He al- almost had it to shoulder, um, although it wouldn't have it wouldn't have counted for competition purposes because it was after the clock ran out. But uh, he wanted to give it a go regardless. Yeah. Um... Yeah, impressive nonetheless. I mean, if you, again, you have to see this to uh, truly appreciate it, but it's some of the most impressive stuff. Uh, not just the press. I mean, the press has the icing on the cake, but, man, just shoulder and, and all that is pretty impressive. John, have you, have you ever just looked looked at that dude? Like, have you ever just, like, kind of stood next to him and, and, and like, kind of observed, like, like how big of a dude he actually is like i i know i know you know you're you're a you're a huge dude yourself but like when you look at the thickness of his arm and shoulder you know uh you know it's not surprising to me that he's able to do what he does you know i mean that he he is a stout son bitch no doubt about it what is his what is his weight class Yeah, it doesn't have to be exact. A, uh, a guesstimate would work yeah. fine. I, I think I think he was in the neighborhood of uh, of, of something like a uh, two fifty five. It's about what he goes. Now I would say, um, just for those listening, I am a very light three forty. He, however, like a feather. <laughs> like a feather yes, um, and he is a very heavy two fifty. <laughs> This, he's a very, he's a very stout dude. Yeah, no, no question about it, man. Um, let's talk about a couple classes we hadn't touched on yet. We had a masters middleweight class. Uh, Rob Youngerman was in that class. Chad Bates and Brad Patty. And man, these guys were a blast. I, I really loved having these guys at the comp and having that masters two thirty one class. Um. Stones of the North, um, you know, Chad, Chad Bates is a guy who he often competes in the open classes. He kind of goes back and forth. He'll do open classes sometimes, master's classes other times. You know, he's just one of those guys that's so damn good and so damn strong that he can do that, you know. Um, age is just a number for that guy. So he did phenomenal on the Stones of the North here. Pressed the first stone overhead, got three points. Second stone, third stone, took it to the shoulder. Got to the fourth stone, and remember, you know, he's only got 75 seconds, I think, to do all this in. 
got to the fourth stone and banged out three reps to the shoulder with it. That's pretty now, His final stone was something in the neighborhood of, uh, I want to say 200 or 220, and, and this is done completely tacky free. No, no sticky stuff of any kind whatsoever. Because, the, you know, this event is uh, not just because of my personal preferences, but because this event is a tribute to the Inverstone. And when, you know, when Kazmaier uh, had his infamous encounter with the, with the Inverstone, where he decided that picking it up through his chest wasn't enough, and he wanted to press it overhead. So we make sure that, uh, you know, we made sure this year that this event was contested in the style that the inverse stone is lifted, and that is without assistive substances, you know. Yeah, um, definitely tough uh, without without the tacky. Definitely tough for a lot of people, and um, and that that two twenty stone um, was one of the tougher stones actually in the uh, competition, in my opinion. The two twenty that is uh, a very smooth two twenty. It's it's a tough two twenty to be messing with. Listen to you. You're talking about being a. You're talking about being a light three forty. You know, St. James is a heavy two fifty five, and now that's a uh, a difficult two twenty, and all this. What the hell are you talking about, man? <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm a light three twenty. You know, it's like when did you shrink your three twenty now? Yeah, I mean three. I don't. I don't know. I don't know where I'm at. Uh, three forty. Uh, it's like, you know, when you put um, kilo plates on a bar, and instead of the pound plates, and the kilo plates are heavier, right? Because that makes sense, right? John, you're drunk. Go home. <laughs> well, you hear it all the time. Oh, the kilo plates, they're heavier. No, they're not. You're an idiot. <laughs> so I like to poke. I like I, I like to. Well, you're debating the effect of gravity on, uh, on calibrated kilo plates. I'm going to talk about the novice heavyweight class and some of these guys, man. Again, awesome group. Uh, Eric Jenkins in this group. He's already signed up for another meet, by the way. He had so much fun at the Viking Highlander, he immediately signed up for another contest uh, a day or two later. Um, Chris Albert, man. Chris is, uh, uh, Albert, he helped out on, you know, refereeing the day before and then competed at the Highlander. Uh, Rodney Chappelle and uh, Kat Chappelle, they came in from South Dakota, man, drove in from South Dakota. They said the total drive time, um, you know, this doesn't this doesn't count stopping. They said like total drive time was about twenty four hours. That's a heck of a trip, man. And they had such a good time. I, I had the pleasure to uh, I had the pleasure to talk to him afterwards. They were still on the way home. I, I, I gave them a call when they were passing through Iowa. And uh, man, they're already looking to come back uh, for for more contests, and, and that's that's pretty exciting. Um, Connor Edsel, man, Connor, what a strong dude! He did uh, phenomenal in the powerlifting meet. He was one of our two day competitors. And check this out: Stones of the North, Connor Edsel, novice heavyweight, pressed the first stone, got the three points, 
that wasn't good enough, so he pressed the second stone, too, and got three points, and then got the third one to the shoulder. That's seven points. One of very few people to not only press one stone, but, you know, out of the whole contest, you're talking about, you know, you're talking about, what, three, three people that pressed more than one stone? And, and he was one of them. So, uh, pretty, pretty darn impressive, if you ask me. Yeah, definitely. That's, uh, yeah, like you said, pressing one stone is kind of, you know, that's, that's pretty impressive. But if you can get more than one, that puts you in a whole other group, a whole other level, you know? Yeah, that's, for anybody that's not tried to press an Atlas stone, do yourself a favor and give it a shot. Uh, it is, it is a religious experience to try to press out the stones. Um, open 231s, our biggest class, our most competitive class. Um, and, you know, middleweight, middleweight as a whole is always competitive, man. It's, uh, it's probably the biggest dogfight in strongman is, is, is middleweight because there's so much talent there. It's such a populated class, and uh, I mean, some of these guys are just incredible. Um, looking at some of the scores here, see who stands out. We had we had four four out of nine that pressed the first stone in the two thirty ones. That was Michael Harmon, Lucas McLeese, Kenny Hacker, and Campbell Judy. Uh, we had five out of nine that made it to the final stone and got, you know, got points on at least one point on the final stone. And that was uh, Joseph Cook, uh, Lucas McLeese, LJ Workman, Sonny Bolton, and Kenny Hacker. And the uh, the class of the field here, and this this was not a huge surprise given the fact that uh, Kenny holds state records in the the log press, the axle press, and a middleweight world record in the block press, uh, Kenny Hacker pressed three out of four stones. Yeah, that was uh, I mean that. that was incredible to see. And um, I, at that point, he was the only person that had done more than two, right? first man to get to three, to three stones pressed and then still got a rep to the shoulder with the final stone um, ended up with 10 points which was the most points of anyone on regardless of division in, in the entire contest so we're talking uh, his stones were something like I believe the first one was 175 and then 200, 220, and 240, uh, I believe was the final stone there. And, uh, yeah, so he pressed the 175, pressed the 200, pressed the 220, gave the 240 a, uh, you know, a, a, a try on the press, and then uh, it didn't go so well, so he said, okay, I'll pick it back up, put it on my shoulder, so I did something with it, and, and got an extra point that he, you know, didn't really need there. Yeah. Um, and who who uh who trains that guy? Well, that, that Kenny that Kenny Hacker guy. 
I heard uh, I heard he was associated with uh, I heard he was associated with some dude who didn't know who he was talking about. <laughs> that's yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, huh. wonder why anybody would listen to that guy who's done you know thirty plus competitions over the course of uh, twelve years and set a bunch of records and, and trained a bunch of champions and actually has a degree in the subject, unlike half of these clowns. But um, anyway. That's neither here nor there. Um, open two sixty fives. We'll we'll jump over to those guys. We have, we haven't talked about the two sixty fives either. We had originally um, five in the two sixty fives, and then we had some folks switch classes. We had some folks drop out, um, and it looked like we were going to be down to like two in the open 265s, and then Adam Wilhelm moved up from middleweight to go 265, so we still had a class of three, you know, and, and that's, you know, as a promoter, you really want to try to, you want to try to be your best to maintain your classes, you know, you, you get excited when you see, oh, oh man, we got, a, we got a big 265 class, or we got a big whatever, you know, um, you want to try to maintain that, because you like to give the guys an opportunity to compete, and, and, you know, actually mix it up uh, with with their peers and, and, and have a good time and have and have a true competition. So um, it, it worked out that we still had still was able to have three in the class, which is pretty cool. Um, Devin Melroy uh, trains a Viking. Quiet dude. You know, I, I, I would love to talk to Devin a little bit more. Our conversations have been very brief. Um, he got two reps to the shoulder here, first and second stone, tied with uh, Jeremy Futrell. And, you know, so, so same story there. Jeremy got the first and second stone to shoulder. Adam Wilhelm got the third stone to shoulder, so he grabbed first place in the 265s there. What, uh, what does that feel like when you're, you know, at the stone to shoulder? It's a little more uncomfortable than just loading you know, loading over bar, in my opinion. What do you think on that? Yeah, there's this, uh, well, you know, picking it up from the ground, the lap's the same as any anything, uh, you know, whether it's a stone, a log, whatever. But the, uh, your your grip on the stone um, has to be a little bit deeper for, for flipping it up, at least I think so, to get it to the shoulder. And you have to have... Uh, a certain amount of explosion to get it to the shoulder. Um, you can do it slow, but from my experience, it, when you do it slow, it it really takes a lot of energy, and you're you, you're not going to want to you're not going to last long in an event like this where you have four stones if you do it slow. Um, so there's a little more explosion involved, and then once it is up on the shoulder. Um, your your balance and stability comes into play. I mean, your your body will be like kind of freaking out, like quivering almost. Um, especially if you haven't practiced it. You know, that first time you fling that bad boy up there and it's sitting on one shoulder on one side. Um, you know, that's when you'll discover muscles that you hadn't used before. And uh, and then you know, it's not uncommon to uh, for that thing to hit you in the ear. <laughs> so and. <laughs> And in even yeah, get the bloody ear from this event. And even if even if it's just 
shifts half an inch and hits you in the ear, you know, I mean, those stones, you know, 220, 240, 285, you'll know it, you'll know it popped you in the ear. So it, it's, it can be pretty uncomfortable uh, in a very awkward way. And um, if you haven't done it, uh, you, can, you can't truly appreciate it, but it, it's, it's definitely tough. Let's talk about your class on this one. Let's talk about the big boys, the open open super heavyweights. Um, Barrett Young, uh, his first open class contest. He'd uh, done a few novice shows uh, prior to this, and you know, did pretty well here moving up to the uh, moving up to the opens. He got the the first and second stone to the shoulder, and. You know, this was a heavy event. This this was not a rep fest. This was, you know, this was not an event where guys were blowing through this. You know, there weren't a whole lot of people that made it to stone number four, and there certainly wasn't a whole lot of people that got that got presses out of this event. So, um, pretty pretty proud of, uh, of of Barrett's efforts there. Yeah, he uh, all... Matt McGurk. You know, he's uh, Matt McGurk is a big big powerful dude. He's He's new to strongman. Um, you know, you can tell by looking at the guy. He's he's got a ton of muscle. The guy looks like a brick wall. Um, but speaking of guys that look like a brick wall, uh, Marcus Crowder, man, that dude. Uh, he stepped on the scale at two ninety two point something, and the guy's got abs, like visible abs. That's that's freaking nuts. Um, yeah, he reminds Thomas, me of uh, he reminds me of um, like a, a Derek Poundstone type or a uh, like a Pujanowski esque kind of kind of guy. Obviously, yeah. Crowder's pretty young. I think you know here in a little a few years he'll probably kind of grow into that um, you know more that three hundred plus Poundstone Pujanowski type uh, frame. a strong event for you traditionally is um you grabbed three points on this one uh shouldering the first three stones didn't go for the press on the first one what were your what were your thoughts on uh what were your thoughts on not attempting um the press and just going straight to shoulder and moving on there um so well i got to see a lot of the people go before me and um not a lot of people were um we're getting presses. So, uh, I took a gamble and figured, you know, um, I don't think many people in the, my class are going to get, uh, get a press. And, um, and if they do, you know, I don't know that they'll shoulder the later stones. So my plan was just to run the, the gamut and, uh, and hit all four stones to shoulder, which I did not, but that was the plan. And, uh, it still seemed to, uh, to work out in my favor. Yeah, so you grabbed three points. That was good enough for uh, second place on the event. Maybe you ran out of gas or ran out of time on the uh, on the on the final stone on the two eighty five there. Um, Crowder came up and uh, not to be outdone by Mister Hacker, he went ahead and started pressing stones like a madman. And he pressed the first stone, and he pressed the second stone, and he pressed the third stone, and he 
the fourth stone at 285, which I've only seen one other guy uh, successfully press before, and that was Steve freaking Schmidt. Um, and Crowder, Crowder gave, gave it a good fight, but he didn't, uh, he wasn't able to, to lock that final stone out, but he, he did, he did press the first three stones for nine points. Got the event win. That was pretty wild, because, I mean, you gotta think his third stone was 240. And, and anybody listening to this, you know, feel free to try to press a 240 pound stone. Um, and, uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an experience to try to press a stone. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's awkward. It's heavy. It's awkward. It's hard to hold on to. Um, there's actually a little bit of that, uh, subconscious fear factor in there too. It's not with a log, you know, you press a log, you feel pretty comfortable with your hands on the handle. Um, even, even with the block press, just due to the shape of it, you kind of have like a certain amount of uh, control over it. Um, but the stone, man, it's just the shape and the way that you press it. There's a subconscious level of, you have to really be confident that you're going to get it or you're not going to get it. Yeah, not, not something you can kind of second guess yourself on. Fourth event for your group was the Denny Stone Tribute Hold for Time. And this was our second second sort of uh, tribute event because, you know, obviously the Stones of the North is sort of a, a tribute to the uh, to the Inver Stone. This one is a tribute to the Denny Stones. If you're not familiar with that, it's two giant rocks uh, over in Scotland that have... Know, somebody at some point decided that they were going to drill into and fasten a couple of ring style handles to and see if anybody could pick them up and it's become uh, a tremendous strength tradition uh, probably probably one of the most popular strength traditions uh, in Scotland yeah there's a there's a lot of uh history to that lift and there's a lot of um strong men throughout the years like you know even the um the you know world strongest man type uh Kazmaier, uh mark felix those guys they they went out there and um have lifted these things and um you know they even have uh world records with them and stuff now now is this one uh if, if we get you overseas is, is this a goal of yours to, uh, to lift the actual Denny Stones eventually? Because it kind of seems like that's up your alley. Yeah, I'd give it a go. I think, um, you know, yeah, I mean, I think it, it's right in my, my uh, wheelhouse as far as what I'm good at. Um, and I think it would be exceptionally fun. Um, I'd like to uh, eventually go over there and, and do like a little tour and hit a few of those um manhood stones and, and different feats that are available, you know, that are still over there. Um, but I, th I think that should be, uh, every strong man's goal. You go over there and at least do one of those things, you know? Absolutely. So our Denny stone and tribute hold 
we used Mauser blocks. We attached the uh, replica ring handles to it. And, man, this, this was pretty cool. And I really had no mercy on the event weights here. Um, because I, you know, the Denny stones themselves, they're so heavy and the handles are so difficult that very few people can even pick them up, let alone hold on to them or let alone try to walk with them or whatever. There aren't a whole lot of people in the whole world that can even stand up with them. So I wanted to make this, uh, I wanted to make this a tough event where, you know, people weren't holding on for 90 seconds, two minutes, two and a half minutes, anything like that. I wanted to make it where you were fighting for every inch of it. And this was evidenced, uh, in a lot of the classes, we'll kind of work our way backwards here. Uh, the heavyweights, we'll go super heavyweights first here. Um, you know, Barrett's been working hard on his grip. Uh, you know, he, he dropped almost immediately about, uh, about four seconds. Uh, Big Matt, you know, he made it about six seconds. And then uh, Marcus, uh, who I believe has been top five at the Arnold before, um, he lasted 30, you know, less than 31 seconds. And he gave us a great show when he started banging out some shrugs on that one. But that just goes to show you how tough this was. And, uh, John, you picked up the event win here uh, just under 33 seconds. How tough was this, man? I mean, you're, you're, a, you're a grip guy. Like, you know, you're, you're kind of known for the uh, for having hands of steel here. How tough was this? Um, so I'll give you a, a, a story that will describe how tough this is. So um, I was training the event and uh, my original plan was I was going to hook grip um, the rings uh, because my goal initially was I didn't want to just win um, my division. I wanted to have the, the longest time regardless of class um, in the event. Um, however, <laughs> I loaded it up to, uh, uh, I think it was 220 and 270 per hand or... No, no, I'm wrong. It was it was 270 in both hands. I loaded the thing up in training too, and um, uh, and it was higher, a little bit higher. So I was kind of doing like an overloading kind of thing, and um, I hook gripped that and held it uh, for 30 seconds in training, and I didn't have any issues immediately after, but the next day my thumbs were wrecked. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I caused some sort of nerve damage in my thumbs. I couldn't, uh, you know, you, you pull a plate off of a weight tree and, and you like kind of pinch grip it. I couldn't do that for like four days because I would get shooting pains up through my hand into my elbow. Um, so I decided I was not going to hook grip anymore. <laughs> Because this this event, these rings, they're so brutal on the hands. I I didn't want to cause further damage to the nerves in my thumbs, um, so I opted to do um, a regular uh, grip on the stones, um, and, st and still got 32 seconds uh, for the win. But yeah, that stuff's no joke. I mean, you have to you have to take your your hands into consideration in the event, not just your grip strength. I'm talking about your 
your actual hand, you need to think about how you're going to grab this thing and, um, you know, take that into consideration. Yeah, it's a, it's a thin diameter ring shaped handle and extremely painful to deal with. Heavyweight Masters class, uh, Jeremy Hayes suffered on this one, uh, sub five seconds on that. Chad Clark suffered on this one, um, about four seconds on that one. Uh, Dave Payne fared a little better, almost about 10 seconds. Um, Jason Sowards uh, put up um, what could have been a good performance, but the problem was, um, and, and he, he didn't realize it, um, Jason stood up with the blocks and had a bit of a bobble and dipped. He, he dipped back down and one of the blocks touched the ground again when, when, he, when he dipped and that actually stopped his time. But he actually kept going at that point. He had uh, 23 seconds before they realized what was going on. Um, which would have been enough to win the class. But unfortunately, he had that bobble at the beginning, and it, um, it cost it big time. Tim Sowards ended up taking the class with about 15 seconds there. So uh, 15 seconds got the win in the Heavyweight Masters. That tells you just how tough this event was. Yeah, the Sowards both, uh, they came, they came, you know, with a fury, they I think they uh, they had a great showing both of them, and um, I'm sure uh, you know that little bobble was probably just first competition kind of thing. Uh, he'll get that sorted out, and uh, Jason will be be an animal, uh, you know, and just just a few more competitions under his belt, get that experience. That guy will be a big contender. That's impressive. Dude, that, that, I mean, that's not just strength. You know, that is also a, a level of mental toughness that is, that you just got to commend him for, you know. Um, got to have a res res respect for that kind of stuff because, you know, th this is an uncomfortable ass event. And to not only be strong enough to do that, but to have the mental capacity to convince yourself to be uncomfortable for that long and to be in that kind of pain for that long, pretty damn impressive. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's, uh, 
those those kind of events, that's half the battle is uh, getting your mind set. And some, some other great, uh, great times, some of the other groups, novice heavyweights, uh, let's see, Eric Jenkins won that one, 41.67 seconds, that was his strongest event of the day, very impressive performance there. Um, Masters 231s, look like Rob Youngerman took that one at about 46 seconds. Check this out, Novice Lightweights. Novice Lightweights, uh, Josh Holloway, in any other class, you know, would have probably been first place. He had 50-some seconds. But Greg Schiltz had a minute 13. What, well, let's get it exact here. Uh, 72.78 seconds. And that was the biggest time of anyone, regardless of division. Um, heavyweight open women, we had some uh, fantastic time. All, all these ladies had a good uh, a good performance on that. Heather Moore, close to 20 seconds. Sarah Otter, around 30 seconds. Katie O'Connor, 42 and a half. But Stephanie Hines, a minute 3.86 yeah i remember watching her she was just she was just hanging out with those things <laughs> oh yeah, yeah stephanie looked phenomenal she 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 really did she she had strong performances all day and she's already signed up for america's strongest viking she uh she she popped in on that one a day or a day or two after this one and man, man she i i'm glad that she is really embracing this and going after it because i can't wait to see Ladies, uh, we had top there. Evelyn Criley, 56.21 seconds for first place. I mean, man, that, that's that's just crazy. When you're getting, you know, you're getting above 40, 50 seconds, you know, approaching that minute mark, you're really doing something special at that point. Let's talk about Moss Wrestling. Let me let me uh, pull up my my sheets here, John. Tell us tell us your thoughts on Moss Wrestling as an event while I'm uh, while I'm getting my paperwork ready here because I've got to look at these uh, placings and stuff here. Well, the the my, the two events that I was looking forward to the most were the Denny Hold and the Moss Wrestling. Um, at first I really didn't know what to expect with the Moss wrestling because so many people, um, you know, it, all the, the scaredy cats in the forums and stuff, they're, they're always afraid of this event and it's really hard to find training partners for it. Um, so I was a little concerned about the, um, uh, attendance for the event. Um, but that was not a problem. Um, as we stated earlier, it, this was the largest um moss wrestling event in u.s uh history so um i was pretty happy about that pretty happy that people um went above and beyond and uh you know showed up and and a lot of people i think they weren't looking forward to it um but it seemed like by the end a lot of people were actually uh kind of converted and, and on board with it and i think everybody had a really good time with it and um, 
I think it's showing on the, the online poll. Um, last I had looked, the Moss Wrestling was being voted uh, everybody's favorite event. Um, and, uh, you know, granted, not everybody was, was voting, but um, of the people who did vote, it was uh, up there. And uh, I've seen people posting on Facebook uh, already from the competition that they're looking for Moss-only competitions. So uh, I think it was a huge win um, as far as the Summer Raid weekend goes. Um, I think it was a huge win uh, for Moss Wrestling, and I think it was a huge win for the athletes as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you touched on all that because we had a similar experience at the Norse uh, Highlander competition back in March, uh, which hopefully we'll have details coming out for 2019. Um, than that one here soon, but we had the pole push event there, and you, you know it's very similar in that it's 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 a man versus man or woman versus woman uh, event, and, and people you know people get a little skittish about that if if they're not if they don't come from an athletic background that involved that sort of thing previously if they, if they don't come from football if they don't come from rugby if they don't come from martial arts or wrestling you know those type of events can be a little bit of a mind fuck for people. Because you're not just lifting an inanimate object, you're going against another person, and there is if there is an intimidation about that. Well, we had a similar experience at both of these contests where you know people were a little timid, you know, to, to go into that, and but then once they did it, and once they got into it, they started doing matches. You could literally see people the excitement growing. And by the end of it, people were so happy that they did it, and there was so much excitement. Like you said, uh, you know, it, it is it is currently number one on the on the poll. I always post a poll after these uh, competitions as the what you know what's everybody's favorite event, and Moss Wrestling was winning by a landslide uh, for this one, and it's just it's really cool to see people just giving it giving it a shot and going wow you know what that was really fun i do see why people get into this you know and with moss wrestling still being an obscure sport um and, and you know co coming coming from a guy that's you know deep rooted in strongman to, to call something else obscure means that it's really obscure um but you know, to see that many people get get a chance to, to do it and, and to do it and see it in a favorable way, I think was a win for obviously a win for my event, you know, a, a, a win for us. But it was also a win for Moss Wrestling as a whole, you know, because now people are looking at that and saying, "Wow, you know." Maybe I'll try this. Maybe I'll pursue this a little bit more. Yeah, and hope hopefully they do, and hopefully they have um, more good experiences, because um, uh, a lot of uh, the Moss competitions, um, there's not a lot of people there. So, uh, and you know, um, especially there, there are different types of people, but I think especially with the people that want to do the, the, the man on man, woman on woman events. Um, they, they want a big field. 
you know, that they, they want to show up and they want, they want matches. Um, I, I could say at least, you know, uh, I think that way when I if I go to a Moss tournament, I don't want to just have one match or two matches. I want to, you know, I want to make a day of pulling the stick out of people's hands, you know? Um, so, and that's the mentality. I think the people that like this sort of stuff have, so it's really good that, more people may, you know, the floodgates may have opened and more people get in there because, um, you know, I'd like to sign up for an event and have more than two or three matches. I tell you what, the, uh, the open 231s definitely had their fair share of matches, man. I swear, I, I think, uh, I think Joseph Cook ended up on the boss board probably eight or nine times. Just by virtue of so many guys being in that class, I just remember it was like every time, every time I checked in on the, because uh, we were running two moss boards at the same time, and every time I checked in on the board where the middleweights were at, it seemed like Cook was on the board. <laughs> I was like, man, this dude is getting his freaking work done today. Yeah, a lot of those guys went, man, a ridiculous amount of times. That was a, that was a, that was a good tournament. That was a, the. The 105 guys, that was a great a great bracket and, um, man, a great way for those dudes to finish up. You know, before we get into the individual performances here, you, you have uh, sort of a, a mindset about these, you know, one-on-one type of events, very similar to what Ode Haugen does and a lot of these guys that are into this kind of thing. And, and you gave me a gave me a great soundbite one day and I don't want to butcher it so I'm, I'm going to try to set you up for it uh, but you essentially told me uh, that there was a lot of ways to figure out who the strongest guy was and you can set up a lot of events and yada yada but, but, but you had something at the end of that that really kind of uh, I think sums up why uh, an event like Moss Wrestling is so important and so cool well, yeah, you can, so essentially, you, you, there's, a, there's, man, probably an unlimited amount of ways to determine who uh, is, is stronger, and there's different types of strength. So, you know, you could just have one event and say, hey, we're going to lift stones and decide who's the strongest, but, but that doesn't really determine who the strongest person is, because... You know, that, that doesn't take every type of strength into consideration. So in a strongman event, that's why they'll have five events or, you know, sometimes 10 and sometimes four, but generally five. And you'll, te- you'll try to test all the different types of strength. So you might have a deadlift and then a stone lift and then a yoke carry and then a log lift or whatever. Um, but if you wanted to be fast and efficient about it, you'd could just have a moss wrestle. <laughs> and, and that would be, I think that, you know, you could determine right away, right then and there, who the strongest person was. And I think people would argue and say that all oh, there's technique involved and this and that, but I, I'm willing to bet if we looked through the scorecards, the people that were placing top three in moss wrestling had also placed top three in all the other events. You know, I would say, you know. You're you're probably right about that. That would be an interesting thing to look at. I know with the 
you know, when I've looked at combat events before, and I've, I've actually done some, you know, some research on, uh, in the manner you're talking about, and yeah, you know, the, uh, the guys that are winning the, you know, the quote-unquote static events and whatever and, and all that, they're the same, you know, generally the same guys are placing well in the, in, in the you know, the pull push events too. You think of a, a guy like uh, AJ Frida, you know, um, well, you know, he's doing, he's doing just as good in the, uh, in the pull push or whatever or in, the, in the boss wrestling tournament as he is in anything else, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's, um, you know, but, uh, people want to act like that stuff is, um, you know, like it's, uh, a technique or uh, event or some kind of you know complex event or whatever but at the end of the day the strongest person wins and you know you'll hear well they so knew how to some, yeah, talk about some individual performances here really some folks that uh, stood out here we have uh, first place novice ladies was Alicia Schiltz Wait, am I looking at the right thing here? Let me make sure I've got the right... Uh, I'm still looking at the Conan's wheel. I'm not even looking at the right stuff, man. Let me uh, get the lady sheet here. How, ma- how many sheets of paper do you have there? It sounds like you're in a filing cabinet fighting for air or something. <laughs> man, I am. I, I am just buried in, in papers every year. I'm trying to, trying to go through this stuff to, uh, to look at it and... Uh, Oh, I do have it. It was, it was, okay, here we go. So, yeah, it was it was indeed for Moss was uh, Alicia that got first place in the novice ladies, um, heavyweight ladies. Uh, Kitty O'Connor got got first here. Um, Heather Moore uh, felt a strange sensation uh, in in her sternum. And uh, opted not to continue there. Hopefully, she's doing. I talked, you know, sort of chatted with her um, briefly afterwards. She wasn't sure sure if it was anything serious, but she didn't. She didn't want to risk it and continue at that point. And you know, you can't really blame her for that. So, um, Sarah Ott did real well here. Uh, Stephanie, of course, you know, looked looked great all day. Really, that you know, that group was was kind of a toss up like okay who's going who's going to win this thing i don't know um in in the moss tournament and uh katie ended up grabbing first place points um holloway and schiltz in the novice 175s uh schiltz got that one masters 231s chad bates took it there younger men and patty both tied for second now chad bates is really strong at the boss wrestling man. He he came up last year for this event and just put on a clinic in, in the boss wrestling tournament. So we're going to come back to Chad because he faced a bunch of the open middleweights um, as well. Just the way that the uh, the way that the boss tournament brackets uh, fell. Uh, novice heavyweights. We are looking at Connor. It's Connor Edsel, man. He, he had a heck of a weekend, I'm telling you. Um, did great during the powerlifting, great during the uh, Highlander. Adaptive classes. Uh, James Spurgeon, he went uh, 
you went against uh, Jim Petri and, and they went single-handed. They did a one, you know, one-handed boss match with the gymnastics ring as, as the uh, stick. And there's just not too many guys on earth, I think, that are going to be able to pull that ring out of James Spurgeon's hand. Just not going to happen. Um, you, you, you'd have a lot easier time trying to pull him over the board than you would to pry that thing out of his hand. Um, Alexander did uh, Alexander did some matches. And what we, what we do uh, for wheelchair athletes is to... Uh, we, we, we position some medicine balls in front of the board to create uh, a bit of a barrier there. And then we actually, uh, he puts on a truck pulling harness. We fasten the truck pulling harness with a ratchet strap to a yoke, tighten it up real good, have, you know, four or five guys hold on to the yoke so it can't move. And then he does the moss wrestling match like that. So, um, so seated at seated class athletes, you can do moss wrestling. We have figured it out, and it is awesome. <laughs> Let's take a look here. Open two thirty ones. This was this was epic, man. I I just I, I can't get over how how competitive a lot of these matches were. It wasn't, you know, a lot of times it. Lost tournaments, you know, that you see right on the whistle within a second or two. You know, somebody, somebody pulls a stick out of somebody else's hands. Or you see that a certain matchup is like an obvious, you know, an obvious mismatch. But it, 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 we saw a whole lot of really competitive, long matches here in series. You know, I think more series went two out of three than went two and oh. And we had LJ Workman third place in Moss Wrestling Bear. Um, second place was Joseph Cook. And first place, Kenny Hacker. And man, I've never seen Hacker so freaking pumped. Have you? <laughs> no, he was like a. He was like. He was in the zone. He was. Uh, he was in it. A hundred percent. I I don't think. I don't believe he lost a single matchup. I think he collected. He went. He had a perfect score. He collected all the points. Yeah, he went undefeated. Undefeated in the Moss tournament, and and you know, as big as his bracket was, that was crazy. And I told you we were going to talk about Chad Bates again. Chad Bates was beating open middleweight dudes. You know, he, he was in the master's class, but the, the way, you know, the Moss Wrestling was scored as part of the Highlander contest, but it was also scored as its own contest unto itself. So there were two different scoring methods going on here, and that's why Chad ended up, um, you know, facing some of the open middleweights, and he was beating those guys, and the only guy to beat Chad was Kenny Hacker. And they actually met twice. They met once um, early on in the tournament, and then in the big finale, uh, they met again. And man, it, it was it was just awesome to see those two those two Brahma bulls lock horns on the board, you know. Oh yeah, you're watching. Uh, I think anybody would have. They need to have a um, like a, some kind of highlight reel of uh, 
Chad and uh, Kenny mowing through each other and leading up to that, uh, or mowing through other competitors leading up to their matchup at the end. Well, yeah, it was, it, was, it was like a it was like a main event fight, you know, um, which we're going to talk about that again here in a minute when we get to the big boys, um, heavyweight masters. Um, Dave Payne opted out of this one. Chad Clark opted out of this one and chose to referee instead. Um, they were just, they were just too exhausted to go on at that point. And uh, so that left uh, Jeremy Hayes, Tim Sowards, and Jason Sowards. And Tim Tim ended up, you know, winning winning the event and got the first place points. But I think the story here is the the first round when he faced his brother Jason, uh, he calls him Big Yin. Um, it was the longest Moss wrestling match I've ever seen. It lasted something in the neighborhood of three minutes. <laughs> and I don't know what the long-term physical effects of having a three-minute Moss wrestling match are, uh, but I, I, I feel like I feel like they're either going to both transcend to like Super Saiyan status, or they took like ten years off their lives. <laughs> yeah, it was brutal. You could actually see um, at at several points throughout where they were pulling as hard as they could, and then you know you can only sustain that for so long. Like it's unreasonable to think that two human beings would pull. 100% for three straight minutes. So as you would expect, they would kind of die off. And they were almost like they were, you know, down to like 30% or 40% effort until you could see their power meters rising and then they would pull as hard as possible again for another 20 or 30 seconds or whatever. And this kind of went back and forth until the end of the match. But uh, yeah, it lasted. There, it lasted so long they were kind of taking breaks. There, John, because uh, they both seem to power up at the same times. They have the same recovery rate. So it, it, if one guy could have recovered faster than the other and been able to to apply that you know that full force uh, power again, he might have been able to end the match quicker. But unfortunately for them. But he both powered up at the same time, recovered on the same time frame. And so whenever one guy was ready to uh, you know, to really go hard again, so was the other guy. Yeah, that's one of the things with the um, with the the person on person events. It's like if let's say you're doing the classic world's strongest man stone lifting series and you have the, the you know two guys going head to head on the stone lifting or whatever. And um, one guy gets ahead of um, the other guy, and they're they're loading the stones or whatever. Um, it's a lot easier for the person who's behind in the event to kind of just stay behind in the event. There's nothing forcing them to win. Um, when you're going head to head with that person, and their hands are on the stick, and your hands on the stick. If you're not, or at least you don't think you're 100% recovered and the other person pulls, you have to go. Like, you have to pull back. You have to put forth some effort. Um, 
it you're forced to act a lot sooner than you might on an event where you know the object is just sitting there waiting on you because your opponent isn't always going to be waiting on you in the one-on-one -on -one events so i think it really pushes people to their limits and pushes people to a point where they may not go in a regular event Fives. Moving on here, Devin Melroy in third, Jeremy Futrell in second, Adam Wilhelm took first place in the Open 265s, super heavyweights, uh, Matt McGurk in fourth, Barrett Young in third, and we had um, what I felt like, you know, as, as a promoter and as, as a guy who, uh, you know, thinks about entertainment stuff, we had a travesty here, John, because I felt like I felt like John Mauser versus Marcus Crowder on the Moss board should have been the final match of the day for us to end the whole thing on to get the, the biggest Brahma Bulls in the building, both on the board at the same time, to finish the contest um, and put a, put a cap on everything. Godzilla versus King Kong, the immovable object versus the unstoppable force. You know, we had that match early. That match happened early. Yeah. You know, and, and the, you know, the, the fight promoter and the wrestling promoter in me was like, no, no, save this match. Save this match for later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was actually my first match uh, of the tournament. And, and what a first match it was. Great, uh, great two out of three series on the first, on the first round, I believe. Uh, you got him pretty quick. second round got this got the stick from you no he he Third pulled round. me he pulled me over on the second round as well oh he pulled you over okay yeah. so then on the on the third round uh you know com competitive bout and he he, uh, he got you on that one so marcus crowder first place in the open super heavies on the, in the lost tournament john got second there um are you looking for some revenge? Are, are, are you gonna Are you gonna hunt down Marcus and say, hey, "Listen, we gotta run this back. We gotta do this one more time." <laughs> if uh, If Marcus is up for it, I'd love to do it again. Um, I'll, I'll keep my eyes out and see if uh, if he ends up at any shows with some Moss wrestling. I might have to uh, make an appearance. Well, I don't think you'll have to look too hard, man. The guy is hard to miss. That's a, that's a big, powerful dude right there, man. See that dude coming a mile away. Um, so, yeah, that that, that uh, wraps up the Moss Wrestling Tournament. We had our international guests uh, compete there, and we had uh, Hannah the Destroyer. We had uh, Tiny Barbarian, Ariel Burek. They stepped up to uh, um, compete with our uh, international guests there from, uh, from Kyrgyzstan, which was great. Look at some final tallies here. I got to go back to my giant, ridiculous pile of papers. Quite frankly, it's a fire hazard. Here we go. Final tallies. We have. We'll go through novice women first here. Third place was Catherine Chappelle. Uh, second place, Evelyn Criley. First place, Alicia Schultz. Open. Heavyweight women, 
just read off all the placings here because we can get through them pretty quick. Uh, fourth place was Heather Moore. Third place, Sarah Ott. Uh, second place, Katie O'Connor. First place, Stephanie Hines. Novice 175 men. Second place, Josh Holloway. First, Greg Schiltz. Masters 231 class. We had third place, Brad Patty. Second place, Rob Youngerman. And first place, Chad Bates. This was actually a countback. Rob and Chad were tied. And Chad had four first place finishes. Therefore, he got the uh, he got the nod on the tiebreaker. Fourth place in novice heavies was Eric Jenkins. Third place, Rodney Chappelle. Second place, Chris Alberts. And first place, Connor Edsel. Adaptive standing class, second place, Jim Petri. First place, James Spurgeon. Uh, adaptive seated, Alexander was competing by himself there. So uh, obviously he took first place. Open 231s. Okay, here we go. Uh, ninth place, Michael Harmon uh, did very well in the powerlifting portion the day before. I think it exhausted him, and then he tore some, he tore some calluses there towards the end. Um, so day two was a bit rough uh, for Michael Harmon. Jonathan Penland in eighth, seventh place. We, we really had a tie for sixth, tie for sixth place with Campbell, Judy, and Tyler Product. Fifth place, Joseph Cook, fourth, Lucas McLeese, another one of our two-day competitors. Third place was LJ Workman, uh, and special shout-out to him. He's pretty new to Strongman, and to get to hit the podium in a class like this, you know, when you've been doing it for less than a year, it's just, you know, I, I think that speaks volumes for how talented he is and, and what kind of future he's got. Uh, second place, Sonny Bolton. He was actually in first place by a point or two. Um, by about one and a half points, he was in first place going into the Moss Wrestling. Um, ended up in second overall because Kenny Hacker won the Moss Wrestling. That bumped him way up in the points. 38 points, first place, Kenny Hacker back on the winning track. Uh, big year for Kenny so far. He, uh, also was a member of the team champion Hill, Hillbilly Heathens here a couple months ago at the team championships. So uh, thus far this year, he's done nothing but win. Let's see. Masters heavyweights. Fifth place, uh, Dave Payne. Fourth place, Jason Sowards. Third place, Jeremy Hayes. Second place, Mr. Chad Clark. And first place, the Zercher man himself, Tim Sowards. Open 265s. Third place here, Devin Melroy. Second place, Jeremy Futrell. And first place, Adam Wilhelm. Adam Wilhelm is, is the man. He uh, he really did a lot of recruiting uh, for this competition because he was so uh, he was so pumped up for it that you know we had. We had something like uh, 13, 14-ish um, people come from North Carolina. And a lot of that was because of Adam. Because <laughs> he was like, hey, man, y'all need to come do this. And uh, that, so it was mo most appreciated for him, uh, you know, get, getting, the, getting the crew to come up, which was just fantastic. Um, open Super Heavies. Fourth place was Matt McGurk. Third place, Barry Young. 
Second place, some dude named John Mauser. And first place, Marcus Crowder. That wraps up the contest, really, man. Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts overall on that? What did you think of the day? What did you think of how things flowed? What did you think of your performance? What, what are your thoughts on that, John? Um, well, the competition was great. It was, it was, um, uh, well run two events at once till the Moss wrestling, the Moss wrestling obviously took some time, but again, anybody looking forward to that, that's what they want to happen anyway. Um, so I'd say all in all ran great, pretty smooth. Um, no, uh, no injuries. Um, I know you said that, um, uh, Heather had dropped out of the Moss due to something questionable, but, um, I haven't heard anything about an actual injury there. I think that was more of a, a better safe than sorry kind of thing. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I think I think so, or at least I, I at least I hope so. She was going to give she was going to give it a give it some time to see how it felt. You know, um, it wasn't something where she was rushing off to a doctor. Uh, and then J- Jason Sowards, um, he did pull he did pull a hamstring a bit. Uh, but he was, again, it wasn't something that he was going to necessarily going to medical attention for. Um, he was just going to rest it up and, and, and get back to it. I think, I think he's already back in the gym, as a matter of fact. Yeah, both those guys, uh, well, I mean, they may have been old videos or something, but they were posting videos this week already, so I'm pretty sure they're back in the gym. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, great, great uh, event there. I want to touch on a few things, um, if you don't mind. Uh, Number one, Moss Wrestling is pretty safe. You know, um, the uh, we had the largest showing in the United States history. Um, how many people were involved with the the Moss Wrestling? Well, we had some extras because we had we had the two our two guests from Kyrgyzstan that came in apparently just for the Moss Wrestling. And then we had Ariel and Hannah who jumped in as well, who weren't part of the regular contest. So I think our count on that was 52. Okay. I want to say say like 52, I think, is what we had for participants on that. And we did something. I don't have the exact number of how many matches we went through, but it was was over 200 matches, um, you know, that we we did did in that uh, tournament. Yeah. And got through it. Got through it all in about ninety minutes. Yeah. So we, you, they burned through it. Um, ninety minutes, two hundred matches, uh, and no serious injuries. Only two, uh, you know, kind of injuries. Um, so you know, the people uh, whining about Moss wrestling, um, in the words of um, Zadrunas Zavikas, "Fuck you." <laughs> Um, uh, and then, uh, another thing to touch on was, uh, so Tim Sowards has been getting a lot of attention on social media. Um, he posts a lot of videos in different groups and stuff. Um, and, uh, every time he posts, there are these people that attack him saying what he does is dangerous and these lifts are dangerous. Well, he came in pretty healthy as far as I could tell. Um, uh, healthy enough that he won the event. So um, I don't think what he's doing is uh, all that dangerous because 
He'd been doing it for months and he survived long enough to make it to a competition and then left the competition unscathed. Um, and typically if you're doing actually dangerous activity, the cumulative effect of that probably would have caught up to you about the time you did one of the most grueling competitions of your life. Um, and this was the first competition he had done. So there was a lot of factors in there that could have led, um, you know, down a different path, but it seems like he came in pretty prepared. Um, and, and that leads well, me. You said this was, uh, Tim's first competition. That's not entirely true. He did a, he did a strongman meet before this and he'd done uh, quite a bit of powerlifting before this as well. So, you know, th this is, this is not a guy who, who just started training yesterday. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and additionally, you know, the one, the comment that gets me more so than people screaming danger, danger is when they say, Oh, the things that he's doing are pointless. Well, number one, what the hell's the point of any of this stuff that we do? And number two, if his methods are so pointless and if his lifts are so pointless, how the hell did he win the competition? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty obvious that the Zurchers paid off in several... Uh, aspects. I mean, the Moss Wrestling one, um, clearly it helps with the Conan's wheel, at least with the pickup. And, um, you know, I, I just, I can't fathom, uh, I can't fathom looking at a Zercher and thinking that that doesn't work. If, if that's your, your honest opinion, if you see, if you can look at a guy Zerchering 500 pounds and say, hey, that didn't make him stronger, then um, you should probably just stop doing strength sports and stop trying to coach people and go into some other field completely. I mean, you know, it just it just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, you can look, you can see that and be like, damn, dude, that dude is strong, and that's how he got that way. Yeah, but that, that's not the world that we live in today, John. Uh, <laughs> don't get me going on that, man. That's a that's a whole separate podcast, brother. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, who were our sponsors for this event? Man, we had some amazing sponsors for this one. Apex Counseling stepped up to the plate big time, man. They pitched in to sponsor the Summer Raid Weekend as well as Team Nationals which is coming up uh, next weekend. We're, talk we're talking about uh, July 21st for Team Nationals. And you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of companies that talk about growing the sport. They talk about, oh, we need to you know, support young lifters and this and that. Well, Apex Counseling, Dane Ryan Builders, um, Ryder Pharmacy, Starting Strongman, et cetera, they actually are stepping up and, and supporting that. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're putting their money where their mouth is and, and, and they're stepping up to support um, team nationals and to, to help create as special of a contest for those kids as possible. But for the, for the summer raid weekend, uh, Dan Ryan Builders, man, you hear me talk about Dan Ryan Builders all the time because they're such big supporters of what we do, you know? 
and, and, and here, here's the thing. Let, let's get real for a minute. Did 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 ten competitors from the contest go buy a house from Dan Ryan Builders after the show? No, they didn't. Boy, that'd be wonderful if they did. Uh, but but they're supporting they're supporting these events because they believe in what we're doing and believe that it's a great thing for the community. They believe that it's a great thing for Morgantown and a great thing for West Virginia that we're doing all this stuff. That's why they're supporting it, man. They believe in it. And so I always encourage everyone to uh, show our sponsors some love. You know, I, I realize you're probably not just going to jump up and go buy a house on a whim, uh, you know, from, from Dan Ryan Builders, but give them some love on social media, man. Uh, you know, give them a like, give them a follow, shoot them a message, post something, say, hey, man, Apex Counseling, Dan Ryan Builders, uh, thank you so much for what you do, and let them know you appreciate it. Uh, Rider Pharmacy is another one. Rider Pharmacy supports more of our events than I can possibly count, and, you know, they're on board for Team Nationals as well, and, man, they, you know, Jonathan Ryder, he's, you know, he's was deep into, into lifting stuff before before a shoulder injury. He's, he's more into the martial arts side of stuff now. But, you know, he did some strongman. He did some Olympic lifting. He did some powerlifting. He loves this stuff, and he loves to support it. And, and you know, he loves to talk about it, and he loves to, uh, you know, see people getting into it and having a great time and the effect it has on the community. So he's... Uh, you know, big supporter of this stuff. And his wife, Heather, is uh, a tremendous uh, weightlifter. She's a tremendous Olympic weightlifter. And uh, she's done she's done some, you know, power, powerlifting and strongman as well. Matter of fact, I hope to get her back into strongman at some point, get her to do another contest. Yeah, um, those are all great sponsors. And you see... Um, you know, you see Dan Ryan Builders and, and Riders Pharmacy, uh, they sponsor just about every event, and um, the riders actually show up to a lot of the events. I mean, they're actually fans of this stuff. Um, you know, like you said, then, you know, I doubt 10 competitors ran right down to Riders Pharmacy to fill prescriptions or something. Um, now, some of the local people, they do, they do, but, you know, the people from, like, out of the state and stuff, they didn't go down there. Um, they're doing this largely because they're fans of it and they, they've been a part of it. And like I said, they'll come and watch. It's not uncommon for them to, to drop in during a competition and hang out with us. Um, so that's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And, they, and they're a blast to hang out with too. Um, Saucy Joe, Hillbilly Hot Sauce, our, our buddy Jim Kozak, man, he, uh, he, he, he brings out the goods. If you've not had some Saucy Joe Hillbilly hot sauce, you have not lived. Uh, you need to get your hands on some of that. Now, something um, about Saucy Joe is uh, if you go to Saucy Joe's website, um, he doesn't just sell the hot sauce. Um, he has he has different hot sauces, and, and he's coming out with some dry rubs. But he also does um, a meal uh planning um service where where you can go and he has like 
10 or 12 um, meals and you can buy X amount of each meal and have them um, delivered to uh, different pickup points in Morgantown. And um, that's that can be a big deal for uh, a lot of the competitors um, and, and people that are training um, because you can have these meals already made. And he actually does custom work as well. If, if you go on the site and you see a meal and maybe you're lactose intolerant and has something in it, you can put a little note on your order and, and he'll customize it. He'll fix it. Um, so if you, if you are lactose intolerant or if you're vegan or whatever, and you need a little tweak on some of the meals, you drop a note in there and he'll do it, which is pretty cool. Cause I don't, I have not heard of any other, uh, business like his that does that. Um, most of the time they're pretty set. It's like, Hey, this is what you're getting. And um, he he goes above and beyond. So definitely check that out. I believe that's saucyjoe.com. Yeah, and, and, and you know he he does that because you know he's not just a dude like you know boiling chicken uh, and tossing it in a container and calling it calling it a uh, you know meal prep service. Like he's actually you know he's actually a chef. You know what I mean? Like he like this dude. Like this dude makes it, you know, makes and markets and sells successfully his own like hot sauces and you know and things and things of that nature. Like this dude is is actually a skilled cook, you know. Uh, we're not just talking about like me going to the kitchen and cracking open a can of chicken, tossing it in a tub of Tupperware, and then and then pawning it off as some kind of a wonderful meal prep plan. No, this this dude actually makes meals, dude. Like actual meals. Yeah, and um, Joe, uh, uh, Jim actually um, lifts too, and uh, he he does uh, he does CrossFit in the mornings, and then immediately comes to Viking and does strongman stuff, and then he'll come back in the evenings and do moss wrestling with me periodically. <laughs> So this guy's pretty active in his, it, it reflects in the meals that he has on the website. You can tell like he cares about his body and he cares about what's going on. So he, he has that same mentality that a lot of the, the athletes out there have. And I think that makes, um, you know, a big difference in the product that he offers. Saucy, Mr. Saucy Joe, uh, Jim Kozak here. But what's really cool is if you ever see this guy in action at Viking Performance Training, some of his workouts are pure insanity. He, he will, just on a whim, he'll, he'll grab, we have these giant 350-pound uh, chains, and he'll just take one of those chains and be like, okay, I'm going to drag this around the perimeter of the entire parking lot, you know, so we're talking about like probably a total of, you know, you're talking about probably, you know, over 500 feet for sure, probably something like a total of a thousand feet, you know, if you really wanted to measure it out to go around the whole parking lot. And so he'll just start pulling that chain, you know, take a break when he gets tired and then get back to do it in as, as many sets as it takes, that will be his session. Will be a, a, a chain drag for, you know, a thousand feet around this parking lot or whatever. And, you know, that's it. 
Like, okay, I, 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 I did my work for the day. And you can't argue with it because holy hell, he sure did. <laughs> yeah, those, and that, I mean, that, that is how you get, uh, that's how you get strong. If you don't, you know, if you don't have a degree in the subject or whatever, and, uh, you know, certain stuff, it just works. If you don't, and you don't have the idea how to program and stuff, it's stuff like that that's going to work. You know, if, you, if you're like, hey, I'm going to pull a chain for an hour and then go home. <laughs> I mean, that's going to work. <laughs> yeah, I don't know too many people that are volunteering to step up and say, yeah, I'm going to do chain drags for an hour. state women of strength man uh that that group has been instrumental in popularizing the sport with uh, women in the region so uh you know big thanks to uh Mountain state women of strength ladies if you're listening and you're not a member of that group join the group on facebook keep up with what we do we're probably going to have a, another free open house coming soon you can you know come hang out for a day with other strong ladies and get some free coaching um Obviously, us, Mouser Strength Dynamics, uh, Viking Performance Training, the host location. All kinds of cool stuff coming up, man. Team Nationals is right around the corner. And then one that you're signed up for, Freedom Fest, August 11th. We haven't talked about that much, man. Four events for that one. We're on a, we're on a tight time schedule there. Everything's, everything's very tight. It's a tightly run ship. So, um, you know, in, in the interest of keeping on the time schedule, we have four events there. But they're not just any events. We've got some kind of unique ones here. We have a max distance farmer's walk. So, you know, that, that's not contested too often for max distance. Uh, we have tug of war. Just good old-fashioned, you know, one versus one. You know, again, we're talking about these, these man versus man events. Um, standing tug of war with a rope. We have the mock press for reps, which, which obviously would be uh, Mauser Block, available at mauserpower.com. And we have an event that I've never seen contested. I've never hosted it. I've, I've never seen it contested in another, another contest. And that is keg to shoulder. Or, uh, I, believe that, I believe that one's a, is that a series? I can't remember off the top of my head here. Um, no, if I remember, it's it's just for reps. Okay, okay, so that, so that, that one's for reps. So, John, uh, I can't recall a keg-to-shoulder event anywhere else, can you? No, um, no, no, not that I know of. I know that uh, sometimes in the World's Strongest Man events, people would, like, shoulder the kegs when they would run them to a loading point, but never, uh, never scored on that aspect of it. Yeah, it's so... What's interesting about that is, with that being a rare event and possibly an event that's never really, you know, been done, we're going to see some different techniques there. You know, I, I've talked to some folks that are training for this one and kind of what they're doing, and it's going to be really cool to see the different techniques utilized, what the most efficient techniques are, what the fastest are, what the strongest techniques are. Because just it's essentially 
it's essentially a new event. You know, I'm sure it's been done somewhere by somebody, but uh, it's essentially a new event, and I think we're going to see a handful of different uh, different techniques on that one. Yeah, my um, technique is actually um, I'm calling it uh, shoulder to keg. Um, I'm just going to dive shoulder first into the keg multiple times and hope that I get points for that. Spear! Spear! <laughs> By God, he speared the keg! <laughs> All right. So what, out, of that, uh, out of that lineup, what are, what are you looking forward to the most? Oh, the tug of war. Tug of war is the one, man. Yeah. That's the... That's that's the. Why that's... does it not surprise me that the uh, the six five three hundred and thirty pound Sasquatch uh, is excited for a tug of war? <laughs> well, you know, hey, uh, the seven footers play basketball, right? Yep. <laughs> <clears throat> play your strengths. Um, yeah, that that one's gonna be cool, man. That's fun. I mean. If a tug of war tournament doesn't sound like fun to you, I just don't know if this is the right sport for you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah. come on, man. All right. Well, that's probably good. I think we've been blabbering on for about two hours. Um, uh, just to wrap up here, uh, Summer Raid Weekend went off without a hitch. Super successful. We have Teen Nationals coming up. We have Power for Purpose coming up. Um, America's Strongest Viking, whole slew of competitions. Check it out at um, vikingperformancetraining.com and mauserpower.com. Um, we'll have the page up and registration up and running for Rite of Passage real soon. Um, the events are announced for that on the Facebook page already. If you haven't um, seen it, go there. You will not be disappointed. Um, that's uh, the only competition um, in the year that I run at the moment. Go check it out, see if it's for you, and um, we'll catch you next time on the podcast. Get strong or die. <laughs>